Welcome to a day of prayer. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. Together, let's engage in relationship with Christ through prayer, faith, and His Word. Hello. I'm Pastor Kamisha, and you're listening to A Day of Prayer's Morning Bible Study. We're glad you could join us. Before we get into the Word, we're going to open up in prayer. Father, we thank you for who you are. We thank you for blessing us with your presence, with your faithfulness, with your kindness, and with your everlasting Word. We thank you, Jesus, for who you are. And we just pray for the listeners right now, Lord Jesus healing to their bodies, heal them from the top of their head to the soles of their feet, bring peace into their lives that passes all understanding and guard their hearts and minds with your truth, Jesus. Your word is truth. And we just surround them with faith, hope, and love today, God, so that they are able to hear your voice, Jesus Christ. Holy Spirit, guide them into all truth and show them things to come. Make straight the path for their feet, Lord Jesus. Cause even their enemies to be at peace with them. God, we just loose you to be who you are in the earth. We loose you to be who you are in our lives personally. We thank you that all power, might, and dominion belongs to you, almighty God. We love you. We bless you. We thank you for your word. Minister to our hearts and be ever-present in our lives. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Amen. Well, good morning and welcome, everybody. We're excited to have you with us as we continue our study in Romans. So we are still in chapter 7, for those that are joining us, and we're going to read from verses 13 through the end of the chapter. So could I get a volunteer to read that, please? I can. All right, Layla. Has then what is good become death to me? Certainly not. But sin that it might appear sin was producing death in me through what is good, so that sin through the commandment might become exceedingly sinful. For we know that the law is spiritual, but I am carnal, sold under sin. For what I am doing I do not understand. For what I will to do that I do not practice, but what I hate that I do. If then I do what I will not to do, I agree with the law that it is good. But now it is no longer I who I who do it. Oh, okay. But sin that dwells in me, for I know that in me, that is, in my flesh, nothing good dwells. For to will is present with me, but how to perform what is good I do not find. For the good that will to do I do not do, but the evil I will not to do that I practice. Now if I do what I will not to do, it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells in me. I find then a law that evil is present with me than one who wills to do good. For I delight in the law of God according to the inward man, but I see another law in my members, warring against the law of my mind and bringing me into captivity to the law of sin which is in my members. O wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? I thank God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then, with the mind, I myself serve the law of God, but with the flesh, the law of sin. Amen. So, as is our custom, we're opening it up so that each of you can share what the Holy Spirit is speaking and ministering to you. 
and of course, to ask any questions that you have. So who'd like to begin? I do. All right, Layla. Okay, so I found it interesting when Paul had said um, what I will to do or what I intend to do, I don't do it. But the thing that I intend not to do, I'm doing it. And it just um, kind of struck me for a minute. So we see here that Paul's saying it's not just the thought, okay, you have the intention. You still need the commitment. And you cannot commit to doing um, the will of God unless you have first made that choice and forced yourself to do it. And he said, uh, he, as in Paul said, his members, they're following another law, but his mind, as in his spirit man, is following another law. His spirit man wants to do the will of, the, of God, but his flesh still wants to do what the flesh wants to do. And so without the commitment or Paul's active enforcement of his decision to follow the will and the plan of God, his members do and commit the sin that he does not desire to do. So it's more than just having the thought, well, I don't want to pick a thing, lie anymore. I don't want to steal anymore, but there's no action behind it. It, You're still going to fall into that category. You're still going to commit the sin because you have not forced yourself to not steal, not lie. Okay. Anyone else? Are you going to go, Bobby? You can go. Okay, so first, the Lord wanted me to bring out bring up verse 21 where it says, I find in a law that evil, and evil is present with me, the one who wills to do good, for I delight in the law of God according to the inward man. But I see another law in my members, warring against the law of my mind, and bring me into, and bring me into captivity to the law of sin which is in my members. Wait. Wait, sorry. Let me back up. Let's start at verse 18. For I know that in me, that is in my flesh, nothing good dwells. For it's, a will, for it's a will is present with me. But how to perform what is good I do not find. For the good that I will do, I do not do. But the evil I will not, I will not do, that I practice. Now if I do what I will not to do, it is no longer I... It it is no longer I who do, but sin that dwells in me. So the Lord was talking me to, wanted me to bring up that scripture because how sometimes we think, oh yeah, Lord, I can do this by myself, and I don't need your help to do the right thing, and how it becomes difficult. You can't do the right thing. The right thing is wait let me back up <laughs> so Laura's telling me that it's something's on it's not it's only the right thing if you have the cor- correct application so if you say I told the truth about lying you said well I did the right thing but did the Lord want you to lie no so it's listening to listening to Lord and how I think Mr. I don't know who said this, but they said not necess- the thought that comes to your mind isn't what's bad; it's what you do with the thought. Mm-hmm. But I'm not sure who said that, but Mr. I, Dean. Oh, <laughs> absolutely, yes, Mr. Dean said that. Mm-hmm. Go ahead, sweetheart. And so, doing the right thing is 
there's a difference between going, let, ha, let's say there's a cookie jar on top of the fridge. Mm-hmm. And the devil says, promise, why don't you go through that cookie jar? If I say, no, it's not the right thing to do, then I'm all right. But if I go, ooh, what are some ways I could try to steal a cookie from that cookie jar? Then I said, nah, because let's say mommy and dad come downstairs and see me with my hands like a cookie jar. Then that's what makes it a sin. Contemplating and going, well, let's look at the pros and cons of this, but look at the pros and cons of this. That's what makes it a sin. So you're saying entertaining yes. ungodly thoughts or ideas in your mind to the Lord is the same thing as doing it? Is that yes. what you're saying? Okay. Like when Jesus said, if a man looks upon a woman to lust after her, he's already committed adultery in his heart. Yes. Is that what you're talking about? Okay. Hmm. So promise, we talk about the thoughts. So there's a, a proverb that says you can't stop a bird from landing on your head, mm-hmm. but you can stop it from making a nest. So if we think about our thoughts that way, um, sometimes thoughts are random. Um, I believe they come from, you know, one of three sources. They're coming from the Holy Spirit, they're coming from the enemy, or they're coming from my flesh. Um, and I, we identify those, and then we surrender them captive to Christ, which we hear in other scripture. But the easiest picture somebody shared with me that I really like is just imagine that you're a traffic cop at a four-way intersection. And it's your job to control the flow of traffic that comes in that intersection. And you have authority, and you have dominion over that intersection. And if you hold your hand up in a stop position, the vehicles have to stop. And if you wave those cars through, they have to come through. If they want to go straight through the intersection and you decide it's not appropriate for them to go straight through the intersection, you can tell them to turn. You say, you're not going straight today. You're going to turn right. You can go around the block. You can do whatever you want to do, but you're not coming through this intersection. We have that authority with the thoughts in our mind. We have to be present to do that. So it's just a good word picture. I like it. It worked for me. Just imagine myself a traffic cop. Is this thought conducive with me growing in Christ likeness? And is this going to glorify God? Yes. Proceed. Come on in. No? You go. You go another way. So I don't I don't get hung up on punishing myself, as it were, about the thought as much as I do try to focus on what am I going to do with it now that it's here. Mm-hmm. Amen. What else? What else are you going to say, sir? It's been the Lord wanted me to bring up 20, verses 21 through the end of the chapter where it says, I find then a law that evil is present with me, the one who wills to do good. For I delight in the law of God according to the inward man. But I see another law in my members, warring against the law of my mind, and bringing me into captivity to the law of sin which is in my members. O wretched man that I am, who delivered me from this body of death, I thank God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then, with the mind, I myself serve the law of God, both the flesh the law of sin. And how the Lord is telling me, especially with this section of Scripture, Lord's, the Lord, the Lord saying, He's saying, don't push me away and say, oh, Lord, I got this. I can do all this good stuff without you. I can tell the truth without you. And when you do that in the flesh, you automatically come to the law of sin. Mm. Whereas if you allow the Lord to minister to you, 
you're underneath the law of the Lord. And how Mr. Dean said with the traffic man and controlling the four-inch intersection, if you let a car go to the spot where you don't want it to, then there's nothing you can do to keep that car from coming back unless you chase it and bring it back. And now it's the same way with the thought. With the thought, if you entertain the thought, the car keeps coming. You can't really stop it unless you say, no, this is incorrect. And how once it gets past a certain point, let's say it goes onto the highway, you have to do this whole little chase thing to get that car back to where it's supposed to be. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And how... When you throw... If you throw down your little whistle thing, go, I don't need a whistle to control this traffic. I can just use my hands. Then it's not going to work. You don't have all the tools necessary, right? You don't have all your... The, the tools you've been equipped with and you're not using all of them, it's better to use everything, right? But if we apply yes. that spiritually, using all the weapons that Jesus gave us, correct? Yes. But you got to know what they are first. <laughs> and how, if you, it's common knowledge that cops have badges. If you throw down your badge, nobody's going to listen to you. That's They're right. They're going to go, who's this person on the street trying to tell me where to go? And they're going to zoom by. Mm-hmm. And I was the same with your mind. When you give the authority to the devil, you can't really stop the thoughts, stop contemplating them because you're underneath the law of sin. Hmm. That was all. Okay. I promise you made me think of something else. I thought you were going somewhere with your conversation. If you, um, I, I like the word abdicate. In other words, if you remove yourself from the responsibility that was given to you, or more importantly, the authority that was given to you, right? You've removed yourself, abdicate, right, from that. Mm -hmm. What would happen if a police officer stepped out of that four-way intersection? What's going to happen? The people are going to start going where they want to, going the way you don't want them to go, straight. going to be accidents. The cars are going to crash into each other. There's going to be damage. There's going to be fallout. Same thing in our mind. And we see that in people um, when they, as we say, lose it, right? They get mad. They talk to us inappropriately, get in a hissy fit, as it were, right? That's an indication that they've abdicated their position. They haven't captured their thoughts properly, and they certainly haven't brought them to Christ. And we see an accident, we see carnage, we see a wreck, we see damage, we see injury, we see cost, expense to repair and fix. And so thanks for helping me see that. You're welcome. Anyone else? Oh, I'll go. All right, Charles. I also found it interesting throughout this um, whole section that Paul is also telling people that he has not got it perfect yet, that he still has to come to Christ in order to get it done and to do what he knows is right to do. And he's showing the people so that way they don't think of him as someone higher than them. And, oh, man, he has it just down perfectly. But he's saying that, like everyone knows, he still has places he struggles with and still has to come to Christ. He's not a Messiah by himself, 
Paul was not a Messiah. Oh, Lord, you just had to save the rest of the people. I'm good by myself. But he's saying that he died for everyone. There's no one better or above what the Lord did. We all needed it. We are all sinners. And you can also see here that Paul is equating how without the Lord, even though he may have the understanding from previous experience, if he does not have the Lord, he still can overcome the flesh. It's still going to happen unless he's willing to have the Lord in his life and to allow the Lord to guide him through his decisions. Mm -hmm. Amen. So your our flesh is not able to accomplish anything good in and of itself, right? Our flesh without yes. Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior is incapable of producing the righteousness of God. And so he's he's also articulating to them, this is, like you said, Charles, this is the way that every human has to go as they come into righteousness with the Lord Jesus Christ. He spent a great deal of time uh, in the previous chapters talking to us and um, sharing the revelation that God gave about how sin entered, to, entered the world. And it's because of our natural human connection to Adam and what happened when he abdicated his authority, when he turned it over to Satan, and now sin nature entered into the whole world and everybody was affected by it. And so he was clarifying to them the common theme, the common behavior that you see going on around you is not just normal. It has a source. This is the sin nature. And he's describing and articulating um, the characteristics of it. And so we can readily identify it. And then he's comparing it also to what the law of the spirit is living in the life of Jesus Christ and how that honors God and telling us the pathway to get there. So you can't, even when you have great ideas and you want to be nice, you want to do all these things to please God. If you're carrying it out in your flesh, you can all but guarantee it's not going to happen. Just based on the simple fact that our self-righteousness, anything that comes out of our flesh that we present to God is as filthy rags. It is refuse to him. It's putrid. It's disgusting. It cannot cut the mustard or live up to the standard. And if that's all we're relying upon is our own natural ability, we are never going to be able to say that we please God. We're not going to hear that from him because we know that without faith, it's impossible to please God. We got to come to him knowing and believing and trusting in who he is and also taking the pathway that he's already predetermined and decided this is how we go to enter into fellowship and relationship with him. And this is how we continue to walk in it is by maintaining our trust and dependence on what Jesus Christ has already done and our letting our faith be complemented by our actions and letting the, the law of life and the spirit of life through Jesus Christ manifest in our flesh and in what we do. And by, by flesh, I mean coming out of our being, spirit, soul, and body so that we do manifest him and then we come back under the grace of Jesus Christ or we stay in his grace because we're bound to miss it sometimes. Not that we miss it on purpose or we make excuses for ourselves, but we understand the flesh can't produce the things of God, but his grace is what covers us. So while we rely upon Jesus, we don't make excuses for not doing what we're supposed to do. Right? Yes. Mm-hmm. Amen. There's, there's a lot in there, and everyone's brought up some some really great points. Um, uh, but just to, I'll say, recap a little bit, 
right? We have been discussing a lot about sin. <laughs> and, and for anyone that's been watching and paying attention to Romans, I mean, it's a great, it's a great letter, epistle. The entirety of scripture is great. Mm-hmm. And you'll notice Paul spends an incredible amount of time discussing sin. Why? Because it separates us from God, right? And he also discusses quite a bit about the law. And we've, we've gone over and discussed how, and Paul says, right, the law was weak in the flesh, right? But what did the law do? It informed us, instructed us that we were, oh, of the things we were doing. So now we weren't without understanding mm-hmm. of what we were doing and why we were doing it, right? But um, in this section of scripture, of course, he talks about uh, bondage to sin, right? Yes. And, and the impact thereof. And um, you know, just as we're going over it, I was also thinking about, there's two verses that really stood out to me. And, and you covered them, uh, promise there. Verse 18 and verse 25, right? Because while he's talking about wanting to do the will of the Lord, right? How he also discusses, hey, my flesh is at war against doing the will of God. The flesh wants what it wants. It lusts after the things it lusts after. Lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, pride of life, mm-hmm. Right? Yes. And um, we're going to get to those two verses here, but there's a couple things that we have to understand, right? He's, those two verses set up the discussion that he's about to have in chapter eight, right? In this section of scripture, he is building off of what he has already talked about with the, the issue of the weakness of the law, how it's there to inform us of the areas that we messed up. Uh, or inform us, instruct us of sin, right? Yes. yes. But he's also, and as it was pointed out, it sets up the discussion of how we can overcome sin. And it's not by anything we do in and of ourselves, but it's by faith and holy trusting and depending on the Lord, which goes to the chapter 8, right? Chapter yes. 8 is typically known as the life in the spirit chapter. So we had chapter six, which is identifying with Christ, right? Yes. Yes. And then immediately after, here in chapter seven, it's about dealing with sin, right? And how we can't do it without Christ. So then in chapter eight, he begins talking about life in the spirit and what that looks like, right? So it's it's kind of a prelude to that discussion. While in this section of scripture that we're going over, he's still expounding as he does, right? It's just how the, the Lord used Paul to throw out a thought, not throw it out like willy-nilly, but, you know, with tact and grace, here's, here's a thought, here's an idea. And now, a little bit later, let's build on this thought, right? Yes. So he's doing that. and um, But it's not the first time that Paul references this, right? If you will turn to Galatians 5. And we're going to start in verse 16. Mm. 
Right, and he says, I say then, walk in the spirit and you shall, shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the flesh lusts against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary to one another so that you do not do the things that you wish. Right? Um, other versions will say, it's not that they're contrary. They are at war or at enmity with one another. Right? Mm-hmm. Um, yes. Verse 18. But if you are led by the spirit, you are not under the law. And then he goes in, now the works of the flesh are evident, which are idolatry, fornication, sorry, adultery, Mm. fornication, uncleanliness, lewdness, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, contentions, jealousies, outbursts of wrath, selfish ambitions, dissensions, heresies, envy, murders, drunkenness, revelries, and the like, of which I tell you beforehand, just as I also told you in time past, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. And then he goes into the fruit of the Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such, there is no law. And those who are Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another and envying one another. All right? But in this, and so I bring all that out, right? Because it, Paul is expounding, or the Lord through Paul is expounding on what was, what he has said earlier in, in chapter 7 and in the rest of Romans, right? He's talking a lot about sin. But actually, this is something that Christ addressed, and you can find that in John chapter 8. So if you would, please turn there. And in John 8, Jesus is being questioned about... um, What verse? We're going to start in verse 33, right? Because it addresses something that Paul has been addressing throughout much of Romans, and that is... It's not the law that keeps you or that saves you. The law still required a, a sacrifice, someone to redeem or redemption. And so let's a blood be, sacrifice. And let's be clear, that's the law of sin and death. Absolutely. Not the law of Moses. The law of Moses was just a highlighter for the the um not easily visualized because it's a spiritual law. You can see the effects of it, but you can't necessarily see the law itself. Exactly. So the law of Moses brought to our attention what was already working, which is the law of sin and death. It's not the law of Moses that wars in your members and wants to be contrary to God. It's the law of sin and death. So that's what we're talking about. And that's what requires a blood sacrifice. What God instituted in the, the Mosaic covenant or law was just to make widely known what was already happening. And I think we mentioned this, it's probably been a couple weeks now in our um, our study, that even when Adam and Eve sinned, God showed them how to cover that, right? With yes. the blood yes. sacrifice to give them coverings for their skin, which is why um, Cain's sacrifice wasn't accepted because he brought fruit and vegetables versus a blood sacrifice, which Abel did bring. So... That's something that has already, blood was required the moment that they sinned, actually before then, but the moment that they sinned, blood sacrifice to cover their sins was required. So that is something that preceded and exceeds the Mosaic law. So just wanted mm-hmm. to throw that in there real quick. No, thank you. That was, that was great, honey. You're welcome. Um, so in this, Jesus is addressing sonship, which is something that 
as we're reading in the section of scripture, Paul addresses. And they, the crowd, answered him, all right, we are Abraham's descendants and have never been in bondage to anyone. How can you say you will be made free? Jesus answered them, most assuredly, or other versions may say, truly, truly, I say to you, whoever commits sin is a slave of sin. And a slave does not abide in the house forever, but a son abides forever. Therefore, if the son makes you free, you shall be free indeed. Amen. Right? So, why do I bring that up? It, Jesus already addressed everything that Paul is clearly taking chapters, well, now chapters, right? But a large portion of his epistle to the Romans, his letter to Rome, to the Romans, and addressing the same issue. Look, it's not about being Jew or Greek, right? We've been covering that and discussed that in great detail, right? The Lord is no respecter of persons. It is if you have sonship, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, right? Yes. But he's also pointing everyone to Christ. This is where you have your freedom. This is your where your redemption comes from. Christ paid the price, which is why you see in verse 24 and 25, right? He asked the question, right? He says, he first acknowledges his state in the flesh. Oh, wretched man that I am. And he asked this question, who will deliver me from this body of death? And then in verse 25, he provides the answer. I thank God. And he says, through Jesus Christ, our Lord. So then, with the mind I myself serve the law of God, but with the flesh, the law of sin. Right? And we already kind of went over that with um, in Galatians 5, right? He's like, here's how it's done. Right? Sin is always going to be at war, but I can trust and have faith that the Lord has already provided the way of escape. He's already redeemed me from the curse of sin and death or the law of sin and death, right? Yes. And yes, there is the, the law given under Moses, right? But the Lord showed us how to live that out. And he lived it out through his Holy Spirit, which sets up, if you will, the discussion of the life in the Spirit chapter or where freedom from sin it can be found and how it can be lived out, which, again, we are just covered in Galatians 5, right? Yes. He, yes. He first, in that, in Galatians 5, he first discusses living in the Spirit. And that is how you uh, overcome all those different lusts that the flesh has, that he spells out, right? In exacting detail there. Does everybody understand? Yes. yes. And so I just want to look back at um, John for just a moment where you were talk, reading what Jesus was saying to them. And if you continue down to verse 37 and 38, they, the people, um, as they said, that we're Abraham's descendants. Mm -hmm. So they're looking at themselves in the natural. Exactly. And Jesus comes back and says, well, I know you're his descendants in the flesh. You could say, I know that you're in his descendants, but you seek to kill me because my word has no place in you. I speak what I have seen with my father, and you do what you have seen with your, your father. And um, verse 39 says, they answered and said to him, Abraham is our father. Jesus said to them, if you were Abraham's children, 
you would do the works of Abraham. Mm-hmm. But now you seek to kill me. Well, Abraham believed God and it was accounted to him for righteousness. And therefore, Abraham upheld and kept the things in the word of God. Um, but back to the scripture here, it says, verse 40, but now you seek to kill me, a man who exactly. has told you the truth, which I heard from God. Abraham did not do this. You do the deeds of your father. So he's allocating them into their spiritual sonship. And in other places, he said, your father, the devil, and is very open and very direct. Uh, blatant about what he's t- telling them. Their spiritual genetics, their spiritual lineage is of the devil versus um, their spiritual lineage being of Jesus Christ. And when Paul is talking here in Romans 7, he's bringing us out of that natural perspective to go, hey, we have a higher calling. We are spiritual sons and daughters versus just being natural children. Um, And as he's talking about the flesh, the warring against the spirit, he's talking about our instinctual reactions. Uh Because those instinctual reactions when we are outside of Christ are governed and cultivated by environmental impacts. So if your parents, you know, use cuss words, your instinctual reaction is going to be using cuss words. So, um, actually, let's pause there, and we can pick this up tomorrow. Okay, well, sounds like a sounds like a plan there, honey. Um, can I get someone to close out in prayer? Yes, I will. All right, Layla. Lord, we just thank you for today, Lord, and for giving us your word, God, something that we can use as a guide to. Watch us, Lord, to direct our steps and our paths, Lord. And we thank you for your guidance, Lord, and your love and your mercy that you give in abundance, Lord, and that it, you care for us even when others don't, Lord. And you, you're you always there, God. And we just thank you for our listeners and the blessings that you are pouring out on them, Lord, and the elevation you're giving them, Lord, that you are exalting them, Lord, that you are giving them a place, Lord, and that you are letting your glory reside on them, God. Continue to guide them, Lord, and let them see you, Lord, when they look up, Lord, when they consider the things that they have seen in their lives, Lord, and recount to you good and faithful, Lord, that Mm -hmm. you are able to do everything that you promised and said that you could do, Lord, and you can do that and much more, Lord. And I just thank you for just being you, Lord, awesome and mighty, God, Mm -hmm. and for redeeming us, Lord, bringing us to be your sons and your daughters, God, calling us Mm -hmm. your children, holding us with Jesus Christ as joint heirs, Lord, to the promise that you have for each and every one of us, Lord. And I thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. We love you. God bless you. And have a wonderful day. Thank you for listening to A Day of Prayer. We trust the Lord that you are strengthened and encouraged in your relationship with Christ. Visit us on our website, adayofprayer.org, where you can check out our blog, find additional study resources, or shop the official A Day of Prayer store. Remember, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. So until next time, Take care and God bless you.